Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. You can be seated. Isn't God good? Oh my goodness. I think I changed my message about 150 times during that worship set because the presence of God was so strong. Thank you for hosting Him so well. Thank you for prioritizing His presence, making a safe place for God to dwell. It's, it's incredible. Oh, Jesus. Wow, Corey and Simone, thank you so much for having me. What an absolute joy to be here. Dave looks a little bit worse for wear over there, but... <laughs> The presence of God got a hold of him pretty good during worship, which was amazing. Thank you so much for having us. We, uh, my wife sends her love and, and family, obviously have released me, praise God, to fly to the other side of the world uh, to come and, and to minister. I, I don't have as much faith as my friend Dave Harvey to just get straight off the plane and minister. Uh, I needed more faith because I didn't get any sleep at all on the airplane. Uh, praise God. But last night, though, I managed to get 11 hours straight sleep. I fought so hard. Yesterday, I was fighting so hard to keep my eyelids open. I got to 9.30. I was pretty proud of myself. And then I literally woke up at 8.30 in the morning. It was pretty intense. I don't know how Dave's going to do it. You might need to, like, throw glory bombs at him or something. Um, tell him some jokes or something that will keep him awake. But, guys, the Spirit of God is here. <laughs> I know you know that, I hope you know that, but the spirit of the living God is in this place. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal what God is doing. Come on, you're getting it back there, I love that. Guys, you hungry? You hungry for more? Oh my gosh, I'm so hungry for more. I, I was like, keep this worship going. I just want to be on my face in the presence of God. That's what I wanted to do tonight. Uh, I, I, I hear you've had my friend Ben Fitz in town and my, uh, ben, Matt King, my other good mate, and Peter Mattis. You've got all of my friends coming through and, and Dave Harvey's coming and Haley Braun's coming. All of my dear friends are coming through this place, so you guys are absolutely blessed. Uh, I just, just want to draw your attention again just to the weight of the presence of God that's in this community and, and on this house. And uh, I want you to not grow familiar with the fact that God has actually answered your prayer and he's beginning to move in power. I want you to come to this house happy, grateful, thankful, and hungry all at the same time, understanding that he has answered your prayer and he wants to place a prayer in your heart that he wants to answer in the future. And there's this tension that we're going to talk about a little bit tonight of the satisfaction of the God who comes and yet the hunger for the more of God that draws him even deeper, even richer into this river that's, that's already flowing. I, I wanted to just quickly, um, yeah, just share a couple of testimonies of uh, some miracles and, and believing that God would like to do that again, if, if that's okay with you. I remember uh, on a Friday night service at Bethel, some of us as staff got up and we started giving words of knowledge from the front and uh, I had this really strong sense uh, there was a woman, a young woman, who had uh, arthritis in her, her right hip, 
and actually that she was going to be needing a hip replacement in the coming months and that God wanted to heal her. And this family way up the back, they're like, that's me, that's us, that's me, yes, that's us. And you just, I don't know about you, but when you've been around this long enough, you begin to realize that faith like that, God can't resist. Like as soon as they were jumping up and down saying, that's me, I just knew that that was going to be their night tonight. God was going to touch them. Anyway, we give our words of knowledge and we, we go through the list and God started to touch people powerfully and um, it was awesome. I made a beeline though as soon as ministry started up the back to their family and had this conversation with this young lady and she was only maybe 25 and she was actually scheduled the next week to have a full hip replacement. She had a bunch of arthritis that had really taken over her hip socket and she had so much faith, but she had no range of motion. She had, as you can imagine, excruciating pain. She couldn't really move her hip anywhere. And it was getting to the point where, you know, her husband had to pick her up. And it was really debilitating and, and taking over their family. So we're just sitting there. We're telling testimonies. And, we're, and I'm telling her stories about what God has done. And, and I just tell her, hey, like, check out your body. She's like, but we haven't even prayed yet. I said, I know. It's amazing. Just... <laughs> Check out your body. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, we haven't even asked God to do anything yet. Yeah, 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 I know. Just check out your body. I said, wow, okay. There's less pain. That's amazing. Praise God. I said, there's like more range of motion. It's not a lot, but there's more range of motion than what I had before. I'm like, that's incredible. But you could kind of see her hope levels rise for a moment and then diminish again. And I said, excuse me, like, I I just want to remind you that that was a miracle. So what do you mean? Like, I'm not healed. I said, yes, you are. I said, you have had your pain diminish and your range of motion has increased. Even on your best day, you were not able to do that, man. That is the power of God that is touching your body. That is actually the same miracle power that can take you from a 10 out of 10 pain to a 9 out of 10. 10 pain all the way down to a zero out of 10 pain. She's like, you're right. I said, yeah, let's give thanks. Let's celebrate what God has done and what God is doing. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like Corey was pointing our attention to where we are seated. It was like she shifted her perspective of what hadn't yet happened to what is actually happening. And all of a sudden, her pain started to decrease just from her belief system just changing the way that she saw things. It was this bizarre experience because it showed me in a very hands-on practical way the power of our belief system and how we empower disempowered devils so often just simply because as his delegated authority, Jesus delegated authority on the earth, we hand it back to Satan, a defeated foe, because we choose to believe in what it is that he's doing in our life. It was wild. She literally started to get healed just by changing her belief system. I'm like, okay, this is one of, one of those fun ones. It's going to be like childlike. I could feel it. Sometimes it's like, shuck it about that healing in the name of Jesus. And I love those. And, and Jesus heals them too, just simply because his son was enough. The blood was enough. The finished work was enough. And so he, he, he loves responding. He loves responding to prayers in his name. But I just knew that this was going to be one of those fun ones. I love these, the childlike ones. It kind of stretches my brain, blows up my mind, and takes me out of my comfort zone. I'm just a really intense person. I'm sure you guys are going to see this as we go on tonight. But I need fun in my life. I need the joy side of the cross 
in my life in God. I need to, like, to focus in on what he's already done for me. Otherwise, I can die in what he hasn't done for me yet, you know. So we're having this experience, and she's down to like a 7 out of 10 pain. And we're celebrating because it's gone from a 10 to a 9 down to a 7 just simply by a belief system's change. And then I had this funny feeling um, come across my mind, this, this thought that came into my mind. And, and I saw us counting down as little kids like, like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, blast off. I'm like, okay, that's a bizarre thing to do. And I feel like the Lord said, yeah, as you count down from 7 to 0, I'm going to follow you with her pain level. I'm just going to partner with your childlikeness. I'm like, that's awesome. Let's try that. <laughs> so I tell her what the Lord showed me. I just said, let's count down from seven to zero. She looked at me like I was the dumbest person. Like, this is supposed to be a man of God. <laughs> count down from seven to zero. What are we in, like, I don't know, kindergarten here? I said, no, no, this is what the Lord showed me. It's going to be amazing. Let's count down from seven to zero. And I believe your pain's going to go down as we count. She's like, that's amazing. All right, well, let's try it. She had no faith at that point. She started out in faith. The longer she uh, hang out with me, her faith was diminishing. All right, come on, let's do this. Seven. No, no, you need to do it with me. Ready? Seven, six. And we count down. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. I said, check it out. And she checks it out. And she has complete range of motion. Zero out of zero pain. And she actually followed up with me in, in the weeks to come that she no longer needed a hip replacement. And she's completely healed and completely restored. I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. I don't know if anyone has arthritis in their right hip or issues in, in their hips at all. But if that's you, I believe God wants to touch you tonight. Is that anybody here? Raise your hand up. Show me. I see a few hands. Okay, we'll pray for you in a little bit. Maybe just your belief system changing might be enough to, to start that healing. Praise God. I was in Argentina a couple of years ago. I was halfway through this powerful word. The Lord Jesus was on me to preach and I was giving it my all. And then all of a sudden, I felt this wave of healing walk in. <laughs> I'm like, stop my message halfway through. And I'm like, I just sense the presence of Jesus walk into the room and he wants to start healing people. So I never got to the end of my message. I'm sure it was gonna be powerful, but I never got to the end of it. And Jesus literally invaded the meeting, and, and bodies just started getting healed sovereignly. Miracles started breaking out. It was unbelievable. It was bizarre. We get to the end of the night, and we'd seen already probably close to 100 miracles, I think, that night. And there was this one lady. She had this kind of yellow look of death almost on her. Like it was, she was visibly very sick, very unwell. And she comes up with her husband, and the husband kind of needed to help her. And um, I ask her, hey, like, what can we pray for tonight? And she's like, well, uh, my kidney has basically completely failed. I'm on dialysis and I'm, uh, I'm needing uh, a brand new kidney. I'm actually booked in to get a, a transplant. I said, well, that's amazing. There's a spare parts department in heaven and Jesus loves to give us new organs if we ask for it. And she's like, wait, what? I just love messing with people's minds. It's so fun. It's so fun because Jesus just backs us up all the time. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, let's try it out. <laughs> so often, guys, this is a little key in ministry. So often, if someone's underneath, especially a spirit of death or has been contending for something for so long, 
they, they think the only way out is like hitting harder, like swinging harder, knocking the door down. Like I just have to fight my way out of this because they've been under this thing for so long. Sometimes they don't even realize that's got a hold of the way that they see things and the way that they think. So oftentimes God will come in a childlike way to break people out of this cycle of striving and work and pull people into the grace and the mercy of the finished work of the cross. And so sometimes Jesus will do weird things like that. <laughs> like there's a, there's a spare body parts department in heaven. I'm like, maybe there is. I don't know, but that's what he told me. I'm like, that sounds awesome. I mean, he paid for it all. I'm sure he's got amazing kidneys up there. Right? If he created us and he put our bodies together and put all organs in place, I'm pretty sure he's capable of doing that. <laughs> so we're like, let's do it. Let's pray. She's like, what do, you, what do you mean? I said, let's pray. Let's just ask right now. Let's join together. Hold my hands. So we hold hands like, Jesus, I thank you for your stripes. I thank you for the price that you paid at the whipping post. I thank you that because your stripes were enough for our bodies to be healed, Right now, we ask for a brand new kidney to be placed into this woman in Jesus' name. Simple as that. I wasn't intense. I wasn't contending. I wasn't shundai and rundying and contending and pressing in. Although I love that and value that, and you're going to hear some of that as we continue on tonight. <laughs> she looks at me like she'd seen a ghost, like visibly petrified. I'm saying, excuse me, ma'am, are you okay? I thought like something had happened to her physically. So, hey, you okay, ma'am? She said, I don't know how else to describe this, but as you were praying and you asked for a brand new kidney, I felt the very hand of the Lord inside of me, moving around, taking something out and placing something back in. And I'm like trying to play it really cool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that happens all the time, ma'am. <laughs> Yeah, every time I pray, the hand of the Lord goes inside and takes out broken parts and puts new parts in. That's just, it's just par for the course for me. I'm like, I think my jaw was as far down as, as hers. I'm like, ma'am, tell me about the pain levels. Like, help me understand how long have you had this? She said, I have not known a day without at least discomfort for 20 years. And for the last 10 years, I have not known a day without some level of extreme pain. I said, well, how are you feeling right now? She said, this is the first time in over 20 years that I haven't felt any discomfort or any pain. <laughs> that is wild to me. Is that wild to anyone else? He's just so good. He's so good. I don't know if that relates to anyone else in this room, but if that's you, I'd like to pray for you too in a moment. Uh, and then two other things I felt like the Lord wanted to do really quick before we dive in. Uh, any back, any major back pain or back injuries, um, lower back issues, I feel like God wanted to heal. And then I saw um, left knee issues, I feel like the Lord wanted to touch, either replacing cartilage or, yeah, I don't know if you guys have had ACLs or what, but I, I just feel like the Lord just touching left knee. So if that's you, if any of those conditions uh, sound like, man, I'd love a healing uh, in my body, in that area, why don't you just stand up really quick and we're just gonna pray for you really quick and we're gonna see what God does. Is that okay? <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're good. Wow. 
Well, before we start, why don't you just check your body out really quick and just let me know if the Lord is already starting to do something, if Jehovah Sneaky is up to something before we even began, because <laughs> he's more than capable of doing that. If you're sensing, wow, my, actually my pain levels are lower than they normally are, or my range of motion is increased than what it normally is, why don't you just wave at me really quick? If not, that's totally fine. I see you over there, yeah? Amazing. Anyone else seeing any any increase in mobility or pain symptoms coming down? Someone's pointing at me. Okay, back there. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. You're wonderful. Oh, Jesus, you're so, so good. We just come before you tonight, childlike, just realizing that you are enough. I thank you, Jesus, that at the whipping post, you thought of every single one of these diseases. <laughs> that you were willing to have those stripes on your back so that we could be healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that this is more in your heart than it is even in ours. You desire us to be well. So much so that you allowed your son to go through such torture and pain just to give your children an opportunity to receive the Father's bread, healing that is in your heart to give us. So we receive it right now in Jesus' name. We receive our healing. So if that's you, just check out your body again. Maybe try and do something maybe you're not able to do normally, something that would be difficult for you. Just do something that would activate you and would show you that there's been change. And then if you sense any kind of change, any sense of uh, healing power touching your body, just wave at me. Thank you, Jesus. Little wave over here, a little wave. I like a little wave. That's a good start. Hopefully we'll turn that into a big wave in a minute. Anyone else sensing the presence of God healing you over here? Praise God. Anyone else can sense Jesus touching them at all? Thank you, God. Over here, praise God. What's awesome is we haven't even prayed for anyone really yet. You guys haven't even joined in the ministry team and laid hands on yet, uh, but that's what we're about to do. You guys know what to do, right? If you're around these ones, why don't you just quickly just lay your hands on them, maybe ask them what it is that's going on with them. And what we're doing right now is we're commanding sickness to go. We're just telling that thing to leave. It doesn't have to be long, doesn't have to be intense. You just take your place. And you just command that sickness to go in the name of Jesus. So join the ministry team for us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, perfect. Try and test it out one more time. Test it out one more time and wave at me if God is doing something in your body. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. That's a good wave. That's a hearty wave. I love that. Anyone else? God is doing something. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Something happening over here, sir? Yes, praise God. That's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can stop praying for a second. If you were receiving prayer, can you just cooperate with heaven right now and just try and do something that you were unable to do a moment before? 
and just see what it is that the Lord's done. Just again, give me a wave if God's doing something. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm seeing hands pointing everywhere. I can't really see. Oh, yeah, you're waving. Praise God. Over here, too. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Hands over here. Wow. Isn't he good? Isn't he amazing? Well, Jesus, we're going to pray one more time. If you needed to pray twice, Jesus, then it's okay for us to do the same. (laughs) Jesus, we just thank you for your healing power that's being released in this room right now. We give you praise. We celebrate what you've already done in this place. Thank you for the multiple hands that have gone up testifying of what you've done. God, I thank you that you're no respecter of persons. I thank you that what you've done in one, you long to do in another. So Jesus, right now, we just bless those backs in the name of Jesus. We command pain to go in the authority of the name of Jesus. We ask right now for that full range of motion, wow, to return to those spines. We bless discs, we bless nerves, we bless uh, bones, we bless muscles. We bless every system of that back right now to come under the superior reality of heaven. Be healed in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you and we command all arthritis to leave hips now in the name of Jesus. Any degradation or damage that has happened over the years previous, we curse you and we command you to leave in the name of Jesus. We ask for a restoration of cartilage for smooth range of motion again in that hip joint in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for organs. I thank you for kidneys. I I pray for anyone that's on dialysis or anyone that's had damage in that part of their body. Just you are the restorer of all things. And so, Father, would you restore fully their bodies now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Okay, one more time. If that's you, just test it out for me. And maybe you've already waved at me in the past. That's okay, I want you to wave at me again. If you feel like God has done anything in your body tonight, would you, would you be willing to, to wave your hands over your head? Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, many hands. Wow, Jesus. <laughs> oh, he's so good. Look at him, there's so many of them. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't he wonderful? Wonderful King. Wonderful Jesus. Oh, I love what Corey was saying, that things in the kingdom, they're actually easy. Partnering with Jesus is, is easy. And it, I don't know about you, but it's kind of offensive to me because some ways I like things to be hard. <laughs> right? We're all kind of like that. We press in and we contend and we lean in for more. But I really felt like tonight, we're, just, we're not going to go after this for heaps long. We've, it's already 9 o'clock, praise God. Jesus is about to move quickly in this place. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're already doing. We thank you that you're here. We don't want to do anything other than what you're up to tonight. Holy Spirit, would you move freely in our midst? Would you move mightily among us? We choose to do what you're doing and say what you're saying. Holy Spirit, we are your people. We love you. We long for you. We enjoy you. We celebrate your movement, your dwelling among us. And we thank you 
in advance for what you're going to do tonight. Holy Spirit, we present soft hearts to you, pliable hearts, moldable hearts, teachable spirits to you. Holy Spirit, you are in charge and we are not. Give us grace to get out of your way in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I love that. Well, my name is Ben Wilson. Uh, I have an Australian accent, if you can't tell. I haven't lost it. I've been in America for 12 years. Uh, I feel like I'm part-time American, full-time Australian. Uh, but I have lived uh, in California, Redding, California, uh, for 12 years now uh, in the pursuit of more of God. God uprooted me from uh, my, my previous home, which is, yes, thank you for grace, uh, I am South Australian. <laughs> Just waiting, waiting for the rocks and the stones. No. Uh, in a previous life, there you go, I was South Australian, now I'm American. No, I, I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> I don't feel like I can win here tonight. I do love Richmond, so I'm a Tigers man. So again, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I had to say that. In America, nobody even understands Australian rules football, let alone understands that my team actually went from the worst team in the competition for 30 years to winning three premierships. It doesn't mean anything to anyone in America, except I've converted one friend who now watches Australian Wolves football with me. And he's a mad Richmond fan. He would, man, he loves it. He loves Australian football probably more than most of you. He said, if only we grew up watching this. This is the greatest game in the world. I said, I know. American football sucks, bro. He said, I know. It's so slow and so boring and we have so many ads. I'm like, oh no, I don't know what to tell you. So I, I, I still am very Australian and I still absolutely love my, my football and I uh, watch more football in America than I did in Australia. I don't know how that works. Uh, but yes, I, I came over from Australia to America around 12 years ago in my pursuit of more of God and I ended up at a crazy place called Bethel Church, uh, and I went and did first year and second year school of ministry, uh, and it radically impacted um, and changed my life. So, so grateful for that house, and an honor to, to be a part of what God is, is doing there. Um, I've always been radical in my pursuit of the more of God ever since, um, really, I was a boy, I've had this passion for, for more. Uh, I, I honestly look back and I think, wow, it's actually a gift, I believe, a supernatural gift that God has given me. And I, I shared with the staff some um, this afternoon how from an age of around 8, 9, and 10, God started showing me visions of um, supernatural occurrences of the manifest presence of God invading parts of the earth. And I would see actually one of the visions that I would see very regularly, I was 8, 9, and 10, and I was South Australian, so I didn't know. Uh, at the time, but I believe now was the MCG, and I and I saw it full of people, full of uh, believers and unbelievers, um, under the weight of the glory of God. And I literally, I, I would see waves of the glory of God go round the stadium, and people just falling out uncontrollably, sobbing, people getting delivered, people getting healed, 
And I was seeing this as an eight or a nine or a 10 year old boy and I had no grid for it because I grew up in a church that was, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. And the Holy Spirit was something to run away from um, and was something that was very dangerous. And yes, the Holy Spirit is very dangerous, but growing up uh, in that church in very conservative circles, I really didn't know why I felt so uniquely different. I, I've had this unusual, almost insatiable hunger for more of God that I've never really ever been able to shake. Uh, I grew up uh, in a very rural location on a farm. I didn't have a youth group. I didn't have a youth pastor. I didn't actually know another believer uh, in my whole high school except my sister. Um, and I really didn't want to hang around her. So I, I, I would say I didn't know any other believers in my high school. That's a radical, wild, unique upbringing. But I always loved the Lord. And I always longed for him. There were seasons that I would be rebelling, not really against God, but more against my family and figuring things out. And I would be drinking myself to oblivion on a Saturday night and figuring out how to drive to church Sunday morning because I still love Jesus with all of my heart. It was the wildest thing. No matter how hard I tried to run away, my passion for the Lord almost grew. It was the weirdest, weirdest upbringing. But I believe tonight God wants to impart an even greater deposit of the gift of hunger in this place. I believe that the Lord is going to release from my life to yours an invitation to burn in a way that you never have before. And you're saying, well, we're already hungry. We're already contending. We're already crying out. We're already seeing the beginnings of a mighty move of the Spirit of God. I'm like, yeah, that's right. And that's why you need to burn for more. That's why you need to contend. That's why you need to press in because you are on the precipice of something that he wants to release. But the scripture says that his eyes roam to and fro across the earth looking for those that he can show himself strong on his behalf. And I believe you are those people. You are those people. His eyes are scanning across Australia and he's looking for a people. Can he trust with himself? It's like, here they are. Here they are. They host me. They love me. They long for me. They treasure me. They put me first. I have room to move in their midst. They won't end the service early if I'm moving. They won't change the subject. It's revival or it's nothing. They, they won't pull back when people don't understand them. They won't water it down when it becomes too much. They're my people. There they are. Am I speaking to the right people? I don't know. <laughs> if not, I'll take it. I, I, God, I'm your person. Here I am. Pick me. Choose me. I believe God wants to release so much in this house. I believe he's just getting started. He's only just getting started. The scripture says in Luke 6, 21, that blessed are those who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Not blessed are those who hunger tomorrow, 
or will grow in my gift of hunger, will try and steward that and try and become hungrier as I go on. No, the Lord says, blessed are those who hunger now. There is a now moment, I believe, in this church. There is a now moment that requires you to press in and to lean into that space. But the scripture says right there, blessed are those who hunger. It's actually not a curse. I don't know about you, but if you are ravenously hungry for more of God, at times it feels like it can be. <laughs> because you're constantly being presented with what's possible. You're constantly being shown by the Holy Spirit that there's more. There is more on the other side of a contending spirit, a life that's yielded, a life that's longing for more. And sometimes you think, is this a curse? Like, no, God says it's a gift to be hungry. It's opening you up to be blessed. The guarantee of hunger is to be filled. See, I used to contend, I used to cry out, I was the best faster that I ever knew. <laughs> I was playing football, I was playing SNFL football in South Australia and I was working as a farmer and my calories that were required every day was pretty significant. And so fasting actually wasn't a really great idea and it really wasn't that easy. But I would do my you know, daily fast once a week for years. I'd fast every Wednesday because I had training on Monday, Tuesday and Thursday and plan the weekends. It was like my one little day I could do. But then the Lord said, that's great, Ben. Thank you for your one day. Now I'm asking for three. Then I'm asking for seven. I want you to go on 10-day fast. I want you to go on 15-day fast. I want you to go on 20-day fast. And I'm like, okay. And so I would contend like a madman, just leaning in. I, I know how to feel like I can twist the arm of God. I feel like I can grab his arm and put it behind him. Obviously, I'm joking because that's actually not possible. But that was my mindset and even some of my dysfunction growing up because I didn't actually know that there was a father who loves me. I was trying to prove to my father that I was worth love. I'm like, I will steward what you give me. I will. I promise you, if you place hunger in my heart, God, I will prove to you that I am worth releasing revival through. I will prove to you by my discipline, by my work ethic, by my fasting, by my contending, by my shandayan, randayan, langa, randarabuskira, bandayan, at three o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the morning, whatever is required, I will do it. Because I didn't understand who the father was. Right, I come to, to Bethel Church and I come into this environment where I, thankfully I never lost any of my passion, I never lost any of my hunger, but I walk into this environment, I remember exactly where I was on the front row down here, uh, halfway through first year, for the very first time in my life, I knew experientially, intellectually, and in my body that the Father loved me. <gasps> Woo! He loves me. Like, I know that. I understand it theologically. I, I do. I read my Bible. I know that He loves me. But it's one thing to know that he loves me in my mind. It's another one to experience his love. I stepped into this place of approval. I could not believe he loved me. And the Lord started to unpack scriptures that we all know, right? The father coming to Jesus and saying, 
This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Before he'd done anything to earn it. Before he'd one, done one miracle, before he'd done anything to prove to his father that he was worthy of that approval, the father already approved of him. I'm like, wow. He's pleased with Jesus before he does anything. He loves me. I walked around in this like pillar of affection. I was like drunk in the spirit pretty consistently, just so lovesick, just could not believe the Father loves me and I love you. Oh, this is amazing. We're in constant communion. I, like you're not some distant father off there that I have to like fight, fight, fight so hard for like one glimpse of your affection or your attention. You actually, your eyes are on me. You care about me already. <laughs> this is amazing. I come from a father in the natural that I could be best on ground at a high level in football. Get all the votes, get all the media votes, everybody telling me how amazing I was. And I come from that game, I come from my coaches, I come from all of these accolades and all of this approval because I'd earned it because I actually was amazing that day, right? And I'd come to my dad and he would say, you should have turned left there that one time in the first quarter. Oh, you just missed that little handball there to the, to the right in the second quarter. I'm like, did you see the game? Did, did you see what the media's saying? Did you see the coach said I was the best player on the field? It didn't matter how well I would do. It didn't matter. I could be the best player in the world. I feel like my dad would only see what I'd done wrong. And it filtered into my perspective of how I saw my heavenly father that I could never quite measure up. Didn't matter how much fasting I would do, it didn't ever seem like it was quite enough. I was trying my best to show him how seriously I was taking this call that he'd given me as an eight, a nine, and a 10 year old boy to see revival on the earth. I was trying to prove that I was the one. Pick me, choose me. I will steward this. Let me try and twist your arm. But I came into this environment where all of a sudden I was loved and I had a decision to make. Do I surrender hunger? Now that I've stepped into this superior reality called grace, which, oh my gosh, thank you that I stepped into grace and understanding his love for me, his approval for me. But do I surrender my hunger for more? Now that I've stepped into this place where I'm a son that is loved and knows that he is. I remember having conversations with leaders that were telling me that you don't have to pray like that anymore, Ben. You don't have to be desperate. That's a D word. Shh, don't say that. You don't need to be desperate anymore. That's, that's what an orphan does. And I was like, yes and no. See, I believe desperation in and of itself isn't a dirty word. Desperation without hope always leads to despair. Desperation with hope always leads to more of God. It's not desperation that's the problem. It's not even striving that's the problem. It is our perspective on who the Father is and our position in front of Him that determines what it is that we receive. I would hear all the time, right? We even sing songs, right? There is no striving. It's like, well, it's true. There is no striving to a point. 
except when we look throughout human history and we see when God lands on a community of people. It's always come from a desperation, a community of people that are striving, contending, doing all they know how to do to show God that they are worthy of the presence that he wants to release. Welcome to the tension in the kingdom of God. Which one is it? Is it satisfaction or is it hunger? Or maybe it's both. I had to have this wrestle internally. I even felt, I guess the temptation ultimately to lay down something that's hard. Crying out, pressing in, contending, staying hungry is actually costly. It's actually easier to push that aside and to say everything is mine. It's all mine. I, I wouldn't need to fight for that. It's already in my possession. How many of you know this morning you woke up and without even realizing it, you had this funny little feeling in your belly called hunger <laughs> that went, oh, I want bacon and eggs and I want a perfect flat white, right? That's what you woke up and thought. If you didn't, you should have. That's, maybe that's just me. Oh, thank you, God, for Melbourne. Thank you, Jesus, for the food and the coffee in this city. Father, increase it in America. In the name of Jesus, we ask. We contend for it right now. Oh, God, help. Help us. Don't worry, guys. I've got an amazing espresso set up at home. It's awesome. Jesus is good to me. But you woke up and you had this hunger in your heart, and it took you on a pursuit of more because you knew that you would find it. You're hungry in your heart. You went, ah, I'm hungry. So I pursue and I go to the fridge or I go to the pantry or I go to my espresso machine because I'm responding to the hunger that's inside of me and I pursue because I know that I'm going to be fed. (laughs) Hunger creates in us a pursuit. It's a gift. If you're not hungry, that should be a giant warning light on the dash light of your walking God. Warning, 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 something's wrong. You're missing something. (sighs) Oh, because you're not even going to pursue if you're already fully satisfied. So hunger happens, you pursue, and you have this amazing meal. Oh, you sit down and you feast, and you enjoy this meal, and you step into the superior reality of satisfaction. And how many of you know once you get satisfied right, we, we tend to, to wrestle with this stuff in the kingdom. We've stepped into this superior reality called satisfaction. We'll never need a hunger again. Except three hours later, I get a funny little feeling in my belly again. And I pursue food and I prepare it and I eat of it and I'm satisfied. And you are doing this three or four times a day, every day. And it's actually keeping you healthy. Inside of your physical body, God is shouting a spiritual principle to you. If you only know hunger in your physical body, you can starve yourself to death. You can be struck with bulimia or anorexia. You can literally cause yourself damage because you're only knowing hunger. But the opposite is also true. We are more than capable of eating ourselves to death. And if we only know satisfaction in the natural, we step into this place called obesity 
and maybe we're being too fat and lazy and sitting on the couch too long. I don't know. But what happens in our spiritual life, I believe, correlates to what is happening inside of our physical body. God gives us hunger as a gift because we know the Father. It's actually the most natural place for a son to be healthy if they are hungry for more of God because we know the nature of who the Father is. I am longing for a company of healthy sons and daughters of God to rise up that are hungry, that can reclaim hunger from the orphans. <laughs> we need to reclaim hunger from the orphans because we know the nature of who the Father is. If He's actually limitless, like He says He is, then where do we settle? When is enough enough? Oh, there is more of God. And he's wanting to reveal what that looks like through people that are in love, that are connected, that know their place. These are the ones that he can entrust with the more. Mm. Right, the tension is, in grace, it's all been given to us. And it's already all ours. And so the temptation is to just shrink back from this pursuit of more. I remember there was a season when I was on staff at Bethel and the Lord invited me into a 40-day fast. Whew. Make sure it's the Lord, that's all I'm going to say, because that's an intense thing to do. It's hard. And I basically did water only for almost the entire thing. There was a window in the middle where I'm trying to model to my children how to be desperate and hungry and pursue God, but I was actually <laughs> in that pursuit. I was not revealing what it was like to be a nice father. <laughs> I was so cranky and so grumpy and so irritable because I was just like, oh my God, I better do something here. So I decided to go on juice for a couple of weeks. That changed the outlook. It changed my countenance dramatically. A little bit of sugar, a little bit of fruit. Oh my God, I'm a much happier, healthier person. But I went back on uh, water for the last two weeks after that little window in the middle. And it was one of the hardest seasons of my life. I wish I could say to you, go on a 40-day fast and you're having open visions and angels are ascending and descending in your room and you're never thinking about food. That is not my experience. I am just constantly dreaming about my first meal, what it's going to taste like, where I'm going to go, what's going to be my second meal, what's going to be my third meal. Oh, maybe I should learn how to cook. Maybe I should buy some cookbooks. Uh, maybe I should watch something on, on YouTube, watch some Michelin-style restaurants or something. Like, all I'm thinking about is, is food. Really not much uh, about the Lord. I wish it was, but... <laughs> oh, my God, this is a sacrifice. I'm giving you my life. Here it is. Take it. But I'm on this 40-day fast on staff at Bethel Church... And I've got people coming up to me saying, Ben, you don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to do that anymore. We're living in the greatest revival in human history. We've never, ever seen so many souls entering into the kingdom of God. We've never seen miracles the like which we're seeing. The outbreak of power that we're experiencing, why, why would you need to do that? 
you don't need to do that anymore. And I would say, you know what? I hear what you're saying and I agree. I don't need to do that anymore, but I get to. If the Lord invites me into an extreme act, then the safest place for me to be is in an extreme act. We are to follow his voice. And he has reserved great power, great exploits, great miracles, I believe, for those that will follow his voice off the map. That won't settle for just a theological viewpoint. Guys, it's all in our account. That's true. Everything is in our account. We are sons of the Most High God. We've come into this place called the fullness of the kingdom. Jesus has opened a door for us. But for me, I don't know, I'm not satisfied with it just being in my account. I don't want to just have a positional truth. I want to possess it. I want to see it go from being in my account to it being in my possession. Uh, imagine going to a, a coffee shop in town and you know, you're on a date and you, you take your girlfriend with you and you, you come up to the front and you order a perfect flat white and, and you praise God. Okay, don't get distracted. <laughs> Stay locked in, Ben. Don't get distracted by caffeine. Um, and you order this, this amazing uh, coffee and the person behind the counter says, okay, that's awesome. Thank you. That'll be $10, let's just say. And you're like, huh, that's amazing. Do you know who my dad is? My father is the wealthiest man in the world. He's got everything. It's amazing. He's got everything. And he's given it all to me. It's all mine. It's amazing. Everything that is in his account is now in my account. It's so, so amazing. They're like, that's awesome. Cool, cool. It's going to be $10. If your father is who he says he is, and if you are a son and you have access to everything that's in his account, well, that's amazing. Then that means you're going to be able to demonstrate that. So let's pull out your, your card and let's make a demand on a truth and see if it's real. That barista is not going to be impressed at how wealthy my father is if I go, and there's nothing on there. They're actually not going to believe who my father is and his goodness and his mercy and his power and his wealth because I'm not revealing him. In fact, I'm revealing the opposite of a truth that I believe positionally, but I am not walking out. I tell you, it wasn't enough to just pray for my friend's dead two-year-old daughter. It wasn't enough to say, my father has given me access to everything. Resurrection power flows through my veins. The dead rise when I pray for them. It wasn't enough. When I had to hand her dead daughter back to her. That was not an accurate demonstration of everything that is in my account. 
And I'm telling you, it is the in-between space that should drive us crazy. The in-between space of what I know to be true and what I'm not yet demonstrating through my life is where the gift of hunger comes in because it makes you crazy. It it makes you stir crazy. It's like, no, I, I have to see it in my life, manifesting through my hands, revealing Jesus to you. If he has destroyed the power of death, then he has to do it through me. And for me to do that, I have to put myself in positions that require dead things coming to life. And how many of you know, if you put yourself in those situations that require faith and an impossibility to bow, it's not that difficult for you to start getting hungry. (laughs) It's not very difficult for you to go on fast. It's not that difficult for you to start to cry out and contend and press in because you've stepped into this place that requires God. You step past your ability. You step past what you are capable of. You step past the threshold of what you can do on your best day. Woo, that's amazing. Now we're getting somewhere in this Christian walk because now we have the ability to start to reveal this God that we believe, that we proclaim. You, Numa Church, you believe in a powerful God, in a supernatural king. You believe in the revival grace that's falling on you to hit this nation. Well, then you better reveal him to your family, to your schools, to your businesses, to your sports clubs. You better reveal him. They are looking like the barista would and say, well, where's your God? You proclaim something with your mouth, then you better reveal it to me. Beep. Is there any money in your account or isn't there? The only way you find out is you say, I'm not just satisfied with there being an intellectual understanding of what's in my account. I make a demand on what is one for me. And I will not settle when I don't see it. Oh, it just looks like I'm just not called to see the dead raised. Come on, man. It's difficult, right, to stay in the game when you don't see the things that God promises you. This is where the gift of hunger pushes us into a space that we didn't know that we were even capable of pressing into. So many promises in Scripture. I'm going to rush over them because we need to get out of here soon. But so many promises of Scripture require us to ask for them. (laughs) You have not because you ask not. How much more will we give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it? I was forced to reread Luke 15, the story of not just the, the younger son, but also the elder brother, And I'm so, so, so troubled by the words of the father to this son. You guys know the story well. I'm not going to reread all of it to you. It's in Luke 15. Read the story tomorrow or in your spare time in the coming days. But here we have the elder brother. He's out on the field. His younger brother has come back and his dad is 
killing the fatted calf and he's, he's throwing this massive party for his brother and he's out having a hissy fit in the field, feeling sorry for himself. And, and the father, oh, I love the father. He runs down the road to meet the prodigal, but he also runs out into the field to meet those stuck in religion. He's such an amazing dad. Here he is, he's having this conversation with his father and he's basically sharing with him, I'm, I'm so frustrated with you because here I have been serving you night and day, being diligent in really looking after that which is your possession, your farm. I'm serving you night and day and you've never once given me a goat that I could celebrate with my friends. And yet, here is this younger brother who's wasted everything and you kill the fatted calf for him. Right? Almost justifiably frustrated, if you will. Right? There's a, there'd be a level of offense in me too. I don't know if I'm the only one that's being honest tonight. You've never, ever killed a fatted calf for me. The words of the father, they just... They gnaw away at me. He's like, son, all that I have is yours. <laughs> all that I have is yours. The inference being, the only reason you didn't have a goat was that you never asked for it. All that I have is yours. At any moment, you could have come to me as a son who understands who I am as a father, presented yourself to me and gone, Dad, I would love a goat. And as a healthy father, I would say, that's amazing. Of course, here's three of them. This elder brother, this son, was only missing out on kingdom benefits, not because he didn't have access to it, but because he didn't humble himself and come hungry and ask for it. I'm telling you, so many of these promises that the Lord has stored up for us, for you as a house, requires you to come in hungry and humble and say, God, I want it. I need it. I must have it. Pick me. Choose me. I want a goat. I don't just want a goat. God, I want my family. God, I, I want Melbourne. God, I want a nation. God, I'm asking you for it. I'm positioning myself before you as a son who understands who you are, as a father who longs to give good gifts to your children. He is a rewarder of those who apathetically partner with a lukewarm spirit. Right? He's a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek after him. There's a clause there, right? There's a clause. He rewards those who diligently seek after him. <laughs> they are the ones that he rewards. Bang, I thought he was a good father. He was kind to all. He loves all of us the same. And he loves to reward his kids. It's like he does. But his nature as a rewarder is to give himself as the reward. He is the rewarder and the reward. But he only wants to give himself to those who want him. Ooh. You can have as much of him as you want. Now that's an offensive statement. I'm not saying he's going to answer you tomorrow. 
I'm not saying that if you cry out for one day, God's going to touch you. He might. He, he's done that to me and it offends the life out of me. I've contended for certain things for 20 years, 25 years. And a friend of mine who just got saved, just got filled with the Holy Spirit, got given it the next day. I don't get to choose that. I'm dead. My life is over. I yielded my rights a long time ago. And so did you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I gave up my rights to be my God. He gets to determine what he gives me. I posture myself because I know who he is and what he wants to give me. I know it's just a matter of time. He can't help but not reward me. He's tied himself to his word. Oh, My kids, they go to church, they're 17, 15, and 13. Well, almost 13. She's like 30 going on 13, my daughter. And it's that, that age, right, where you're like, oh, God, you know, you're praying. It's amazing for your prayer life. If you want your prayer life to increase, just get some teenage children. It's amazing how much more time you spend before the Lord contending. Uh, <laughs> But they go to church on a Sunday morning, right? They're in the most amazing church. Every, they're getting Bill and Chris and all these guys preaching every week. It's phenomenal. They have no idea how blessed they are. Hopefully one day they will. But we say, okay, we want you when you go to church, like you're not going to church to receive something. You're actually going to church to give something. What does it look like for you to take your place, to, to pour out your life before the Lord? You're not just going to church because it's fun or it isn't fun. You're going because you're yielded and given over to the Lord. We're trying to teach them and train them um, in the ways of God. And, and one of the ways of God uh, is being diligent enough to take some notes <laughs> when someone's preaching. So what we do is we say, hey, for every quality note, it has to be a point that the pastor was actually trying to make not just making up some random note because you wanted more money. For every quality note that you take, every point that the preacher makes that's the spot on, you got the note just right, we'll give you a dollar for every single note that you take. Man, this is becoming expensive. I'm telling you, man, they took this seriously. They are taking notes. Mm, Dad, what was that one? I'm like, I forgot. <laughs> They are hammering out these notes. It's costing us so much money to go to church. <laughs> but because I'm a good father and because I long to reward, I give them money because I promised it to them. It would be weird if they took notes and they presented to me, and I didn't give them any money. What would that say about me as an, an earthly father who is imperfect? And yet, this is what we put on our heavenly father. When he says, if you earnestly, diligently seek after me, I will reward you with myself. I will give you myself if you pursue me. I am a rewarder of my own children. How much more is he a father who wants to reward you, his children? Thank you, Father. I believe that you're a company of people that are 
stepping into something that's unprecedented. I believe that he's giving you a gift of hunger because of what it is that he wants to give you. I believe that the Lord is doing something so powerful on the inside of each and every one of you because of what he longs to pour out. I'm telling you, hunger isn't to twist God's arm. It's to prepare you for what it is that he already longs to give you in the first place. Hunger is just the gift that aligns your heart to what it is that he longs to pour out over you. It gets you ready. Like Jesus says, there's many things that I long to give you, but you can't bear up under them yet. There's something about the pursuit of the more of God that gets you ready. It opens up your eyes to see what's available. It, it, it doesn't allow you to miss the smallest thing, the, the smallest little minute touch of God. Is something that you recognize when you're pursuing the more of God. If, as a dad, I had a son and I take him out to the field because I'm a farmer, well, I used to be a long time ago, and I take him out and I show him a chainsaw and, I, and I'm chopping down a, a tree in the field, my son, naturally, because he loves me, is going to want a chainsaw. <laughs> As a good father, if he comes to me that year, say he's like four or five years old, and he says, Dad, I saw you on the chainsaw. It was the most amazing thing. It was like you're cutting through this tree like a knife through butter. You're the coolest man in the world. I want to be exactly like you. I want a, I want a chainsaw for my birthday. What am I going to do as a good father that loves him? Am I going to give him a chainsaw? No. I'm going to say no because I'm a good father. <laughs> Maybe he continues to press in for wanting a chainsaw for the next year or two. And then maybe I could take him back out in the field again and I can put my hands over his and I can let him feel the power of a chainsaw. Oh, now I must have a chainsaw. I'm more obsessed about a chainsaw than I was ever obsessed before. I need it. Dad, I need a chainsaw for my birthday. I know I'm only nine years old, but I need a chainsaw in my life. As a good father, I'm going to say no. I'm going to continue to say no. Maybe when he's at 10 or 11 or 12, I can say, hey, come with me out into the garage. Let me teach you about two-stroke. Let me show you about oil and fuel mixing again. Let me teach you how to sharpen a blade. I am going to raise him up and get him ready for as long as he's continuing to press in for a chainsaw. Because the very first moment that he is capable and able and ready to handle that amount of power. I would long as a good father to place that into his hands. If he continues to press in for a chainsaw until he's 18 years old, then how many of you know he's going to know everything that there is to know about a chainsaw and how to actually handle the amount of power that is in his hands? This is the pursuit of the more of God. This is the pursuit. He wants to pour out the things that you're asking for, the things that you're longing for, you're crying out for. I'm telling you, if every single person that you prayed for was healed, are you ready for that? Do you know how many billionaires would line up with their private jets on the runway that you were positioned at, fighting, trying to give you a million dollars extra than the person in front of you to, to lay hands on their son who's about to die? If every single sick, sick person you prayed for was healed, how much do you think your life would change? Some of the things that we're asking for, we have no grid for. 
Some of the things that we're continuing, I want revival. Do you? Woo! I want the power of God to just obliterate my services. Do you really? Right? Pursuit, hunger actually gets you ready to handle what it is that He longs to pour out. He wants to do that, but He also doesn't want to destroy you because He's a good Father. He doesn't want to place a chainsaw in your hand when you're eight years old. He wants to get you ready. He wants to get you ready. He wants revival in this place even more than you. He does. He does. Do you believe me? You're with me or you're falling asleep? Wake up in Jesus' name. No. Uh, well, let me just pray for you really quick. You guys ready? You hungry? Jesus. I thank you for the gift of hunger, Holy Spirit. I'm asking God that you would release in this place right now a supernatural gift to hunger for that which we haven't yet seen. I pray, Father God, for a desperation to come upon your people. I pray for a contending spirit that doesn't take no for an answer. I pray for a tenacity, a backbone. I, I pray for those that would have longevity to stay the course, to see what you long to pour out in this nation, be poured out upon your people. Holy Spirit, we give you permission for our hearts to burn, for a hunger to come upon our hearts. God, that would keep us up at night. A kind of hunger that if you don't come through, God, I don't know if we'll make it. A kind of hunger that says, God, if you don't use my life, then I don't, I don't know. I just don't know if I can keep going through the motions of just knowing about you or knowing what's possible. I need to see it go from that which is in my account to that which is in my possession. Jesus, possess your people with promise. In the name of Jesus. Rise up an army in this house that will continue to contend on their knees until they know that they know that which is in your heart is about to be released in this church and in this city and in this nation. Oh, if you're hungry, why don't you just respond to the Lord in some way? If that's you and Maybe you've become apathetic or, or maybe it hasn't been a season where you've been crying out like you used to and you've allowed lesser lovers to come in and, and to corrupt you and take away some of that first love fire. Just be quick, just yield, just repent, just come and ask for forgiveness and I tell you that hunger will come straight back. Just yield, just say, Jesus, I'm sorry where I've allowed these things to take the first place on the throne of my heart. God stirring me again, a hunger. Place inside of my spirit, your heart for my family, your heart for my business, your heart for my church, your heart for my city. God, I give you permission 
God, I give you permission to be a burning one. God, use my life like you possessed an Evan Roberts possessor, Ben Wilson. Whatever your name is, put it in there. Like you possess the William Seymour, God, possess my life. God, I'll do it if no one else is going to do it. If no one else is going to believe for Melbourne, I will. If no one else is going to take seriously what's in your heart for Australia, then God, pick me. God, I'll contend. I'll press in. I'll fast. I'll laugh. I'll feast. I'll do whatever you are doing. I'll follow you off the map. But I will not have an empty gospel where I believe something in my mind and I cannot demonstrate it in my life. down my comfort at your feet I lay down my comfortable life I lay it down before you I again expose myself God to that place of not having the answers that I long for I, I refuse to settle I expose myself to that that place the in-between place of what's in your heart and what I haven't yet seen I'm just trying to lead you with some prayers in my own heart. But what does it look like for you? Because I can't get hungry for you. Corey, Simone, they can't get hungry for you. Their encounter is not your encounter. Their experience is not your experience. God wants to give you something intimate that's personal just for you. You said that this is the great south land of the Holy Spirit. We take you at your word, Jesus. We take you at your word. We remind you again of the promises over this nation. And we take our place and say, Jesus, we're willing to pay any price to see this nation step into her destiny. Possess your bride of Australia. Wake her up. Wake her out of her slumber. Awaken bride of Christ in this nation. Take a hold of your people. 
Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.